0: Welcome to Voices from the Bench, a dental laboratory podcast. Send us an email at info at VoicesFromTheBench.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Greetings and welcome to episode 250 of Voices from the Bench. My name is Elvis. And my name is happy 250 Barbara. Two hundred and fifty oh episodes. Can you believe it?
1: No. <laughs> I mean normally I would say yes, but actually no. I think it's two hundred and fifty episodes, but it's not only that, but it's five years, which is seems like
0: Almost. a long time. It is nuts. I can't think in my life other than like just living that I've done anything for two hundred and fifty straight weeks.
1: We still like each other. We still actually get along,
0: which is Isn't amazing. that crazy?
1: Yeah. <laughs> it actually is.
0: That either says something a lot about us, or something very sad about us. I
1: don't. Yeah, know. well, I think it says a lot about us because we are freaking great partners.
0: We're doing it, and we don't see any reason to slow down. That's what I am liking. I mean, we right? got a great lineup already for the next couple of weeks, so lots of good things happen.
1: As our listeners might not know, but Elvis likes to have at least three to four in the pipeline so that he doesn't get all stressed. And in some weeks, he double books us because he he likes to have you know. Two, three in line waiting.
0: Hey, I just like to be prepared. This is (laughs) what the dental lab industry has driven into my brain. Oh, yeah. It's like having the supplies on the shelf before you need it. That's all. That's true. (laughs) But just saying, we're going to get a ton of people. I
1: just said just saying. I saw that on Facebook. Do I really say that a lot? just saying
0: for someone that has edited you 250 times never realized that yeah you say it often but then again we all have our catchphrases i'm just
1: saying i need a new one
0: (laughs) i i say interesting holy schmoly apparently i say a lot i don't even know it until it was brought up do you keep the stats on that or was that joe no that was me just making up numbers oh well i was just embellishing I don't know. I didn't Uh, know. All right. Well, you think I sat there and counted 52 episode bleeps?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I actually did because you're (laughs) a And I'm thinking, holy crap, you really keep stats on this kind of stuff. Wow. What did I get myself
0: into? (laughs) My whole life evolves counting how many times you say, I'm just saying.
1: (laughs) <laughs> oh, that's funny. All right. Well, apparently, after
0: 250 episodes, we get a little slap happy, and
1: uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, just for our audience's sake, I, I did have the day off, so I went for a run. I went to the gym. I had a little wine. So yeah, it could be a little funny, but
0: move on. That's how we like it. Here we are celebrating 250 weeks, but this year, Ivaclar is celebrating their hundred years. So. Crazy. Isn't it crazy of supplying yeah. products and services to dental technicians? Honestly, 100 years ago, I don't even know what they were doing, but I can't imagine it's nowhere near what they're doing today. And in just six weeks, we're going to be weeks. celebrating with them uh-huh. at the big LMT Lab Day Chicago in February. This is awesome. So, if you're already planning on going to Lab Day, make sure you stop by their Grand Ballroom A&B and find us to say hi or sit down and let's record. If you don't have plans to go to Lab Day Chicago, get your act together and join us at what will sure to be the biggest celebration of the year. Just think of all the great stuff they're going to have. I'm oh, sure there's yeah. going to be swag, drink, food, cool Clark stuff to see and check out. It's going to be the party of the year.
1: And you know what? I'm super
0: Super grateful that we're going to be there. It's going to be amazing, and we appreciate Ivoclar for the invite for us to record in their, not mediocre, but grand ballroom. And the grand ballroom. That's going to be our joke for, like, the next (laughs) six weeks, isn't it? (laughs) Not mediocre, grand ballroom. Don't embarrass
1: me, because there's nothing to the ballroom other than ballroom. So, you know. That's true. For those of you that know me. Yes. All right. So... To help celebrate this occasion, we are once again selling limited edition shirts for the 2023 Lab Day Chicago with a highly voted on saying on the back, which is, and I quote, four out of five dentists recommend a dental technician. So just those of you that don't see Elvis on Facebook, and or every other place he is, he actually asked those questions and that was voted number one. So head over to this episode's show notes or to our social media pages for a link to purchase the shirt where once again, all the profits will be donated to the Foundation for Dental Lab Technology. So just by the way, these will be on sale for about a month so they can get made and shipped for everyone to have by lab day. So move it or lose it. Oh, if I get
0: mine shipped on time. Yeah, I I think the supply chain's good this time. I hope so, because I love them. So this week, we talked to Trey Chambers, who actually texted me about a month ago and just simply asked, who's going to be your guest on episode 250? Dun, dun, dun. And without hesitation, I was like, I think it's you. Trey has a very unique and interesting story on how he came to own Express Dental Lab in Norma, Oklahoma. Trey didn't have a family in it. He didn't go to technical school. He got to it by running dental offices that did same-day crowns with the CEREC system. Trey was able to open and run a few different practices in the area. Being the consistent employee always willing to design and finish the crowns, Trey took it to the next level and got a couple in-lab systems and was soon running a lab with a bunch of mill and printers. Trey's story is a bit different but extremely interesting because he knew what the practices were needing and was just getting started as digital was becoming more popular. So join us as we chat with Trey Chambers. Your digital inspiration is important to Ivaclar, and they have the technology to support your digital future. Whether you are just about to introduce digital production into your lab or if your laboratory is already set for the digital revolution, Ivoclar has the technology, the support, and service package for your specific needs.
1: From the new and impressive Progress Cam scanners, to the programmable lineup of milling systems, and the program app furnaces, Ivoclar has you covered with technology and trusted materials like iVotion, Emax, and Zircad Prime.
0: All of this under one roof. Customize your digital journey today by contacting your friendly Ivaclar sales representative. Tell them you heard about it on the podcast, and we appreciate your support, Ivaclar. Voices from the Bench. The Interview. Other than that, we're just going to have a conversation. You ready? Well, let's do it. We'd like to welcome to the podcast today a gentleman that I've seen you around for a long time. I remember seeing you speak real early in my career. Trey Chambers, how are you, sir? I'm doing good, Elvis. Barb, thanks for having me. Hi. So, Trey, I think I visited you, let's see, I traveled so much for pre, were you, uh, Oklahoma? Yeah, that's right. Norman, Oklahoma. Norman, Oklahoma. That's right. It's that town in between the other cities. Exactly.
2: (laughs) Exactly. So, Trey, as we like to start with everybody,
0: how the hell did you end up in dental technology?
2: Well, nothing too crazy, I guess, but it's still kind of interesting. When I was like probably 17 or 18, I went to a dentist named Dr. Flanagan. He looked like David Letterman, you -hmm. know what I mean? And he was real funny, (laughs) real goofy guy. I lived in this small town called Harrah, Oklahoma. So we would drive like 25 minutes to get to this clinic and we go there and we always had a fun time. You know, he's a funny sure. guy, looked funny. Everyone thought he looked like David Letterman and then his hygienist, let's so get my teeth clean. And it's really hard to, you know, have a conversation with the hygienist. So they just kind of, it's like a one-sided conversation. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh-huh, uh-huh.
2: <laughs> and so she was like, Hey, you should be a dentist when you grow up. What do you want to be when you grow up? You should, you should be a dentist. It's great. And I'm like, well, okay, maybe, yeah, maybe I'll be a dentist. So, you know, I went to school, I went to school up in Idaho, you know, started studying like science classes and chemistry classes. And I thought, oh, I'm, maybe I'll be a dentist or maybe I'll be a, you know, I didn't really know what I wanted to be, honestly, but I was kind of always there. Yeah. So I, I got a degree in biology, got a minor in chemistry, and I started working at a pharmaceutical company called Astellas. And so I was a product and process engineer, kind of like an internship, but I worked in their pilot plant and so what we made was what we made there were like phase three clinical trial drugs so drugs before they go out to the, the market you have to do these studies sure submit them to the FDA And so we would make placebo drugs we would make uh, the actual drugs we package them up and they'd send them off for these for these clinical studies And the drugs were all developed in Japan so then they also did like a technology transfer so they wanted to make sure that they could produce the drugs the chemists would run these different tests on the drugs to see if it's the same drug they made in Japan and what we made in made in you know, yeah Oklahoma. so that was kind of cool but they're like hey if you want a real job you need to probably go back to school and I was like oh man I just finished school I don't want to go back to school <laughs> <laughs> like yeah go get a master's in chemistry or something or go become a pharmacist and we'll, we'll get you like a, a like a real job and I'm like well okay well I don't want to do that so I had a buddy a family friend his name is Gabe Neighbors. he's a, he was a dentist My wife was working for an orthopedic surgeon. So I went and kind of saw, I was like, I was thinking, I'm going to go see what's going on. Let's go see what Mm -hmm. all these other professions are before I just go back to school. Like, you know, go to school, not knowing what I want to do. And it's like, well, if I'm going to go to school again, I better figure out what I want to do this time. Yeah. It's hard
0: to get a master's degree without a (laughs) final plan. (laughs) Yeah,
2: exactly. So I hung out with the, you know, the doctors and stuff. And so then I went over, I went over my, my buddy, Gabe, he was working for a mid market DSO here in town. And I went over there and I started shadowing him. You know, I had a great time. And I was like, this is a lot of fun. But I was like, what's that person over there doing? Sucking the spit on the other side of the, uh, <laughs> the chair for you. Like, oh, that's an assistant. I was like, well, maybe I could do that and get, get a feel for it. Because I can't really see what's going on shadowing you. you know, looking mm-hmm. at the, I'm like just looking at the back of your head the whole time. There's nothing to see. So he was like, oh, yeah, man, I get you a job here. We get you a job. So. I started working with Gabe there at the clinic. I worked with another doctor named uh, Dr. Frank Garten, who's kind of an experienced doc. And, you know, I had a great time. We just, it was a high high volume, high producing office. I think it had it had like 20 operatories or something crazy. You know, there's just like tons of people wow. everywhere. Yeah. And so I was like, man, this is crazy. You know, I, I went from like David Letterman's clinic where it felt like there's only like five people working there to now this yeah. clinic where there's like 30 people. I was like, no, this is like, This reminds me of when I was a kid working at a restaurant, you know, like a Mm -hmm. Texas Roadhouse at dinner time. (laughs) You know, it's just it was just go, go, go. And so I was that was kind of my first experience working in cleaning. And I liked it. I liked the rush. I liked how busy it was. I liked helping people and stuff. And they
0: just let you be an assistant without any schooling or anything.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It felt like I was a pretty overqualified dental assistant with my degree, my bachelor's in biology. But yeah, they just said, hey, suck spit here. I was like, okay, I can do that. And so I learned a lot, you know, Dr. Garten was really experienced. And so he, and he was a little bit older, so he wasn't, you know, running four or five ops, like some of these other, the younger docs that were just producing like crazy, yeah. but they had a lot of assistance there helping the docs in this particular clinic. Fast forward, like, you know, did it for about, you know, I don't know, six months, maybe. And I was like, okay, I'm done. I, I think I want to do this, but I'm done doing this. And about that time I told my buddy Gabe that, Hey, I'm going to, thinking about, you know, moving on, going to school or doing something else. And he said, Hey, you know, if you're going to quit and move on, I think I'm going to open a practice in another town, uh, South of Norman. He's like, why don't you come work with me there? And I said, well, okay. He's like, you, you won't have to be a deal assistant. I'll have you kind of manage the clinic. You know, you kind of help me start it up. So I said, okay, cool. Wow. So, you know, we started up, we did the build out process together. I, I was uh, lucky enough to kind of be involved with or see, the whole process as far as getting a loan to start the practice, coming up with a business plan that and that, that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, sure. So yeah.
2: I got to help with that, you know, starting a business. And then from there, we just, you know, hung up the shingle and started this little practice called the Dental Lodge down in Noble. And so that was Gabe's, you know, first practice. That was Gabe's practice in a little strip mall. You know, I was really fortunate to be able to see the process of, of creating a business. And that business grew. I think it was just kind of ge- geographical success. It was in an area... It was, it was a good sized town, but there weren't really. I think there's maybe one kind of older dentist that worked out of two operatories um, that was only open a few days a week. You know, Gabe's like, we'll be open six days a week. You know, yeah. I, I got <laughs> to make this thing work. I got bills to pay. He's extremely motivated by like, you know, he's got like, I don't know, seven kids or six kids or something. Wow. Yeah. So it's like, okay. Yeah. So um, I started assisting and, it's like, and quickly, quickly it grew to, Where after about, I don't know, two or three years, I felt, you know, they were, they were booked out like six months. They were doctors coming and working like on Saturdays and Fridays and multiple, it was a little four op little strip mall practice, but we were booked out for six months. So then Gabe was like, Hey, I I need to, I need to build a building and get, get some more ops. So then again, I got to see the process of, you know, again, coming up with another business plan and, you know, essentially constructing a new facility that we, then the clinic moved over to. And so I got to kind of see that whole process as well. I think we went from this little four op strip mall clinic to this big, like I don't know, like 11 operatory practice after about two or three years.
0: And you built that
2: building. Yeah, yeah. He built it. Yeah. It was a cool thing. Yeah. So and I got to help out with the build out. And then when it came to actually building the building, you know, you got like an actual construction company to do it. It was definitely a neat experience. So then I was there for a little bit. And I think kind of like a little bit after opening that building, maybe, during the same time Gabe hooked up with another doctor Ben Humphrey here in Norman who wanted to start a little practice and so then then Ben you know we went through the same process again like a third time coming up with a business plan finding a location coming up with a floor plan figure out what equipment and supplies to order and you know built out another office so now I had experience, you know, doing build outs for three different dental offices and, and then getting them going. So then I kind of was managing the practices here, like, you know, three or four years into it. And I attended a seminar and uh, 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 this, this is where I kind of got this. That's idea. where the light goes off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we, we went to this Sarek Docs seminar that they had, and I want to say it was like in 2012, maybe. Hmm before that, you know, why would we get, go to a Ceric doc seminar? Well, when, when Gabe opened the practice in 2009 ish, 2010, I think the Ceric rep came uh, or the Patterson rep came and said, Hey, you know, you guys, you guys might be interested in this, this CERIC machine. They had a specialist CAD CAM specialist that came and showed us their, their CERIC machine. And, you know, we were really busy and it's not like we had a bunch of space in the small little lease space we're at. But we saw the benefit in offering the restorations same day. This is why we thought there was a good benefit. The reason why we thought it was beneficial to invest in the CEREC machine as a clinic was that we were working with labs that had really poor turnaround. So we were working with this one lab that you know would make us crowns, but they always took like three or four weeks, and you three could three ne- or four weeks, yeah, to turn it around. It's crazy, and you could never like talk to the like like there's a delivery driver, like the sales guy that would come by like every day and pick up the cases. But if you're like, hey, can we talk to the ceramist, or can we talk to a denture technician about what to do with this? You can never like there's like, oh, no, no. You, yeah, we can't. We can't. You can't talk to them. There's no, and I always thought it was weird. Like like they would say like, oh, they're not available. You can't talk to them or Don't whatever. You, I wonder where those are. You crammed. think they yeah. were
1: outsourcing? It? Yeah. <laughs> oh,
2: yeah. Hindsight being 2020, It's like, oh, man, that was an, it was an outsource uh, outfit. So. So th- I was like, man, this sucks. These guys take forever. And you didn't know about that. At no. Time. Yeah. We didn't know that. I didn't, I didn't even know. You didn't know yeah. any better. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We didn't know any better. And then we started using a local lab. So we, so like Gabe was like, you know, Gabe was like, and I was like, dude, this is killing us. You know, we can't, we're getting booked out months at, on end. We can't have our patients waiting a month to get a crown or a denture or whatever. So we, we looked at some of the local labs So we ran into this guy, Kurt Nasher, a lab owner in Norman. And I called Kurt up and I said, hey, Kurt, Hi, my name is Trey. We have this little practice in Noble and we just want to know, you know, like what, you know, do you have a price list? What kind of things do you make? You know, mm-hmm. and he gave, he said, listen, anterior crowns are, are 235, posterior crowns are 225. I was like, <laughs> I was like, okay, well, okay, that's cool. Uh, and, and, you know, granted we're paying like, you know, a hundred dollars a crown right at the moment. Yeah, yeah. And we're like, okay, well, that's cool. But like, what kind of materials? Like, is that what? what is there a difference between like PFM? Do you do, you know, Emacs crowns? Like, what's the, you know, do you have like a, listen, it doesn't matter what it is. 235 <laughs> anterior crown, 225 <laughs> posterior. I'll make you whatever you want. I was like, like, yeah, exactly. Not not a sales guy. And Kurt, you know, he was running like a, a, a ceramic, kind of a more of a boutique type practice crown of bridge he did a lot of emacs it was just him and one other technician kind of this two-man lab producing you know maybe 80 90 crowns a month or something yeah and so here we are this you know and and who's sending him that kind of work you know he's not like he has some guys that'll send him you know a couple crowns a week you know to do that and so or like you know, he's working with these docs that are getting crowns for a hundred bucks, but then like, oh man, like, you know, this girl wants to be a, in a beauty pageant. So we're going to send it over to Kurt. Let him do it. Yeah, yeah. Well, we got this si- single central to match. We're going to send it over to Kurt. So he's getting all kind of these hard cases. And I was like, well, you know, Kurt, it, to us, it doesn't really matter the price we're not really shopping. We just want to know what we can send to you because we're going to send you everything because we want to work with someone local. And so once we kind of explained that, he kind of opened up was like, oh, okay, okay, well, let's work on the logistics. Let's figure it out. Let's work on the turnaround. So we started working with Kurt and it was awesome. I mean, all of a sudden we're getting stuff back. Two weeks later, the fits were amazing. Mm-hmm. The stuff looked great because we went from doing these outsourced PFMs that we didn't know were outsourced to doing lithium disilicate, pressed Emacs, uh, crowns with a local lab. So the service was great. the Turnaround was great. And the aesthetics were phenomenal. And then the guys, you know, the docs got their wish of being able to talk to a ceramist about game planning, some bigger cases. Mm-hmm. And so the, what pushed us though, to get the CEREC machine was that as they started sending work to Kurt, you know, this clinic had two, maybe three doctors working there at that time. And he just couldn't keep up with the volume. So then what happened is like, he went from doing 90 crowns a month to doing like 250 crowns a month or something so so they they were just swamped and they're they're hand waxing them they're pressing them all this stuff so you know it was great we could have turnaround two week turnaround three week turnaround you know that it was like four week turnaround like oh oh, where's the case at i forgot it oh it's in in a pen over here i forgot i set it over there and so that's why we moved to the Ceric machine was just because, you know, we're able to control the turnaround a little bit better, time to deliver. So there's a lot of value in time to deliver. And I think that is something that wasn't really a priority at the time because some of the guys, well, I oh, just get it when you get it. And we weren't really even concerned with price. We were just like, how long is our patient going to wait? Because we can't file the insurance claim until we take a final x-ray with yeah. the crown yeah. delivered. So it's like, if you see your patient today and then you wait, three weeks or four weeks to get a crown back from a lab, you know, you're not really submitting the claim until four weeks later. And the insurance company's not going to pay on that claim until another four to six weeks later. So you're not getting paid for the work. If you, if Dr. Preps the crown today, he's not going to get paid, you know, in that scenario two months until he, after he got the sure. Work. Yeah. And then the other thing is, you know, you work with one of these labs that, you know, outsource stuff and say you get it back and doesn't fit or needs adjustment. It's you know, contact adjusted or something like that, or, or just, was made bad you know now you're gonna wait another four weeks to get it back you know what i mean so or three weeks or whatever it is so we just kind of like we're like well we like kurts we'll use Kurt for like our aesthetic stuff and but let's invest in the second machine kind of do some of our like first molars and pre-molars and try to alleviate some of that workload off of them so the doc bought the system and it's like great now let's get trained and it's like well who's gonna who's gonna train on the machine and it was like well all the assistants were like well we got to go home <laughs> you know, and, and, so and, uh, yeah. yeah, exactly. It was like, well, he was like, well, I don't, I don't have any kids. I'm, I was married kind of newly, newly wed at the time. So I was like, I guess I'll stay and t- do the training. And so, you know, I, I did some training with uh, doctor neighbors on the machine and, you know, they had their, the Iva Clark guys show me how to do some stuff. And then, you know, from there I started making these crowns at the clinic for a couple of years or whatever. And fast forward, now we're invited to the CDOC conference and we're using this blue cam. So Sarek, you know, Sirona had this machine called a blue cam would take little pictures of a tooth and you would take like occlusal shots. You would take like buckle shots, lingual shots. You take all these little, but it was real technique sensitive and you'd spray the teeth with this powder. Mm -hmm. And then as you scanned along, it would scrape this powder and you could never go back. And so, you know... people, you know, it's hard for the assistants to scan. And so now it's like, I'm managing the practice, helping order stuff and help manage staff and, you know, take care of marketing and stuff. But it's like, we got to make this CEREC machine work. So I would essentially scan all the patients for the docs and I would design the crowns and get them the mills. And then the assistants or I would, would finish the crowns. And so we were doing same day crowns, next day crowns. So it it was way more convenient for the patients not to have to wait that long, Plus, you know, we're able to submit claims sooner. So we're getting paid faster, which is important to cash flow. Yeah. So at the Eric Docs conference in Oklahoma City, they did this kind of traveling roadshow thing. They mm-hmm. show up and they had some great, great speakers there. And that's where they released or at least showed us. The uh, OmniCam, so they had announced it, I guess, at the DS World Conference, or did yeah, some, or I don't know what they call it, Serona World or something, or Serac World or something, whatever
0: it, it used to be. Yeah. yeah,
2: whatever it used to be. So they, they had launched that at Serac, I don't know, twenty five or wh- whatever it was, and uh, we didn't know anything about it. we were in Oklahoma, we didn't go to Vegas or wherever they did the conference, and so they they did this roadshow where they came and showed us. And There was, gosh, there had to be like. You know, 120 people there, and I think we had booked the whole clinic to go. But the guys I was working with, they didn't, they didn't go. The doctors didn't go. I just went. So I was there with some other doctors that I'd met by attending other little conferences and stuff like that, and classes. And the the they would show that omnicam. It's like, oh my gosh, like a monkey could use this. This is super easy. Like, (laughs) like you know, they had videos of like four year old scanning something with it. And so I was like. Dude, that this video capture impression system is going to change dentistry. Yep, you knew it then, didn't you? Oh well, what what I did first was like they also explained like the in lab system how you could use the scanner and send to a lab, mm-hmm. and that wasn't something I don't think like our Patterson reps pushed because I felt like maybe they're they're like incentivized different to sell full systems. Sure. Right. Which yeah. so makes sense. Keep it in office. Yeah. yeah. But then the other thing is, is that like there weren't very many labs that received scans at the time. You know, two thousand nine. Now there are. I mean, I'm sure Glidewell was receiving scans at the time, and some of the other bigger labs. But what I did after that meeting was, I went straight back, you know, to the office, and I called all the labs in town. And said, "Hey, we have, you know, we have this scanner, and the manufacturer told us that we can actually send the scans to you guys." You guys can make PFM's. You could use it to make gold crowns, whatever. You know, can we send our scans to y'all? And I called, I called all these labs, and none of they're like, "What? Like, (laughs) what? I don't know what you are talking about. No, we can't do that." Or, you know, it was crazy. So I was like, "Wait, hold on. These video capture scanners are coming out. These are amazing. I know how easy it was to operate the video capture scan over the blue cam." I was like, this is crazy. And so I was like, and then none of these labs like received the scans. I was like, oh, this is, this is wild. So I was like, man, there there has to be a need for a lab that can receive digital impression machines, especially if now all these salespeople are going to start selling these awesome scanners. And yeah. I think the other thing was maybe the reason why doctors, I think doctors like the idea of the digital impression machine. Looking back at this time, you know, they like the idea of the digital impressions, but there's no one to send the scans to as far as labs are concerned. So so it was like, okay, you know, we'll just have a system and we'll, we'll mill it ourselves. And it, we see, you know, since starting my lab, you know, we see that, you know, doctors that have full systems. Yeah. They prefer to scan and just send to the lab
1: Heck yeah.
2: because they're the bottleneck, you know, they're yeah. the only ones that can prep the teeth. You know, we have docs that we work with and we say, you know, do you have interest in doing in-house milling? They're like, no, man. He's like, I can prep six crowns in a day. All of a sudden, I start doing in-house milling. Now I can only prep four crowns a day. You know, I'm, my mm-hmm. production is going to go down. It's not worth sacrificing my production to save a buck. And honestly, I don't. I don't really know how much they save because I think material inventory, paying a staff member to do it. It's not like you save much money doing it in-house. But where the value is is in the time to deliver. So there's some real value there that's worth something. Yeah. So i talked to Gabe about it, about opening a lab. And I think, you know, he just had his hands full with a lot of stuff at the clinic. I don't think we really aligned with kind of what the thought was on the lab or how to work it out. And I talked to my brother, he was finishing college and it's like, you know, I had the opportunity to help these guys get a really nice practice going, but here's an opportunity to maybe open a lab and, and kind of go down this, this. And I don't have to go to school, you know what I mean? And I was going, I was going to OU's well, I actually had started going to the MBA program at the university of Oklahoma so I was like halfway through the MBA program, like evening MBA program. And I went to this conference. i just, all this stuff starts running through my mind. I can could, I could create a lab. We could do digital impressions. We could do fast turnaround. We could, we could offer, we could do Emacs crowns and make them in three days or something. And and there's value, you know, we'll keep the price. Price will be, you know, a normal price, but the delivery will be fast. You know, we'll have a good product with, the, with Emacs. And so what we ended up doing is I went to a local bank Called Bank First and put together a business plan and went to the SBA department and kind of pitched the idea. They kind of looked at me or they kind of were like, What? Okay. Yeah,
1: lab.
0: Oh. <laughs> What's a lab?
2: That's yeah. right. Nobody
1: knows exactly. about
2: Exactly.
0: You're
2: going to be a dentist? What? Yeah, what? I was like, You, you, you went to dental school? No. no. Okay. So, so they're like, Okay, we can make this happen. So I, I kind of put together a budget in my business plan without pricing out things. So like I kind of based everything based on like what we had spent on the ceramic system, which was like uh, let's say it was like one hundred twenty thousand or something like that. So was, yeah. I'll get one of these in lab systems. It probably costs about one hundred twenty. I'll buy a porcelain oven. I'll buy all this stuff. So I put together a little budget, and then I go to the bank and kind of pitch the idea, and they're like, yeah, you know, if you if like you know you put up ten percent, we'll we'll finance the rest of it. I was like, okay, so so I was like, wow, the bank's gonna do it. You know, I got the money to start you know, let's find a place. So then I start shopping, you know what I mean, calling the vendors. So I called my Patterson guy and say, Hey, Brian, I want to buy that in-lab system. He's like, Oh, I don't know anything about it. (laughs) You need need to call your in-lab rep. So I called David Bolin, who was my, my in-lab rep at the time. And now he's a, he's currently with Stratasys doing the polyjet printers, but he, he, I called him up and I said, Hey, David, my name's Trey. I You know, told him my story about working at the clinics and I was like, I want to start a a digital lab, you know, and and take digital impressions. And David had only been on the job for like a few months and he had just finished his training with like, you know, with whoever he was training with. And I think Tom using was his, uh, was his, was his manager. And so, yeah. so I called David up. I said, hey, David, you know, I want to buy the in system. Can you see me a quote? You know, I got some financing approved. I need to figure out what it's going to cost. So David tells me, he's like, well, we got a promotion going on. You know, we're selling the system now. It's like $60,000 for a mill, a scanner, and the software. You know, whatever. He just kind of gave me kind of a soft pitch deal. Because I don't think David really believed in me at the time because he's like, He's like only been on the job for a few months he's like this guy that doesn't know anything about a lab wants to buy a system okay so then he calls tom and i think i think the story is he asked tom like hey are you cool with me selling this to this guy? We, I don't want it to get returned and go against my numbers or, or something like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. like there's, some, there's some hesitation to like, you know, you you want to sell something, you want it to stick. You don't want it to come back.
0: You probably didn't sound
2: professional enough. Yeah. Wasn't the normal uh, lab guy. It wasn't Kurt. You know, I need, a, I need a mail man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Give me the mail, whatever you want.
0: I need a mail. <laughs>
2: He told me six thousand. I was like, "Oh my gosh, that's cheap!" I can get two of them. <laughs> I can get two. I should get two. And so I talked to my dad. I was like, "Dude, these these mills are like not nearly as much as I thought." He's like, "Well, yeah, you know, you know, son, you should probably invest in two of them so you have some redundancy and you can double your throughput and you can scale." And <laughs> Smart I was like, dad. "I was like, I was like, yeah, Dad, I'll do that." So then I called David back. I was like, "Hey, David, thanks for the quote. I, I like it, but I need you to revise it, though." And he's like, "Oh, really?" I was like, "Yeah, I need I need you to, I need you to set it up so I can get two. He's like, what? <laughs> uh-huh. So then I think he called Tom Using again or something. He's like, dude, he wants me to sell him too. This guy's crazy. So he's like, I was like, nah, dude, I know what's I know what's up. We'll do it. So it will be fine. So he called me back. He's like, okay, Trey, we're gonna do this deal. But he's like, like, do you do you want a centering oven? Like, do you want to buy a centering oven? I was like, what's a centering oven? <laughs> you know, it's like this is like 2000 again. This is like 2012 and he's like well it's a centering of it's for like centering zirconia crowns you know you mill out zirconia crowns and then you could center them i was like uh what's zirconia he's like i was like i don't know anything about emax crowns he's like well they call them like bruxer crowns I was like well i've seen that on a price list before yeah from other labs he's like man i think i think it's gonna be like a big thing i think you should <laughs> i think you should just buy it it's like 10 grand or whatever I was like okay yeah I'll buy your centering oven, David. I'm getting such a good deal on the in lap system and I over budgeted it. So I got money for it. So let's buy it. So he's like, all right, I'll send it to you too. So, you know, we go out, we find this, like my wife finds us this 1400 square foot lease space with like a one ton AC unit, like a really small air conditioning unit for the whole thing. It's like, it's like an office. Yeah. Space. It's like, it's like a light like, industrial <laughs> like yeah, adjacent to like a attorney's office or something. You know what I mean? Oh. And a realtor, you know, so we, it's like a nice, it's like a nice spot. Yeah, so yeah. you know, like made for like, you know, someone that has like a three computers. Work. Yeah. <laughs> so we start building this thing out, you know, we're putting in like air compressors and like these mills and get everything set up. You know, I didn't know. I mean, dude, I, had I known what I know now, like I would have done things way differently and I might not have even like started the lab, but like, oh, you know, we, we went for probably like a six months, without like a dust collector. You know what oh, I mean? Like we would, I like, ran a shop back. I was like, well, yeah. I guess I was like, this thing makes dust. We should like get a vacuum in here to collect this dust when we're grinding on stuff.
0: What mill did you start with? The
2: MCXL or yeah, the MCX5? I, so I had two MCXLs. So the mcx they do zirconia back then? Yeah. So they would mill out these little blocks. So they had different oh. like zirconia blocks you would, okay, you would fit yeah. in there. So the, the block holder, it had a little adapter that you would take out that held the EMAX crowns. Yeah. And you would put in there zirconia. And, th- and it was like zirconia that you would mill out and you would dip. And it's yeah. still, f- it's four axis milling and it was a wet mill. So like, you know, the zirconia, like it was cool because no one in town was doing zirconia. Like they were, they were doing zirconia. Kurt, you know, Kurt was doing zirconia, but he didn't mill the zirconia. Yeah. He would send the, the models down to Dallas and they would scan the models in Dallas. They would make a coping or they make a Zirconi crown. They send it back and he would finish it. So a lot of labs that. were doing it back yeah.
0: then. Yeah. So
2: that was the workflow. So we were like in town. And so I was like, my brother who was doing all the sales was like, okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go out and promote three day Emacs crowns. So, Hey, send us an impression. We'll have it made in three days and we'll get it back to you. And so that was a real hit because everyone's like in three weeks And then we started, we figured out the zirconia thing, you know, how to color it and stuff like that. So then we start going around with like a sledgehammer and a board and a tooth telling the docs to like try to break it. And they're out trying to break these zirconia crowns. And so then that was a real hit, too, because like, dude, I could cement this. I don't have to bond it. And it's never going to, like,
0: break. You actually took the hammer to the zirconia
2: <laughs> yeah. and made it, like, real-life advertising? Yeah, exactly. That's hilarious. We had some docs, like, dude, this is crazy. I can't believe we can't break it. They, would, like, took it down into their bathroom or something and tried to break it in the bathroom, like, on the tile <laughs> floor. And it, like, broke the tile. They, like, broke the tile on the on the, in their bathroom floor trying, oh, to, break the, trying to break the crown. Yeah, it was crazy. So so yeah so things were going great and we got busy quick. I mean we were profitable from the first month. You know we worked like fifteen. We we started like December 2012. We worked fifteen fifteen days and we were we made money, man. We're like oh, yeah, dude, I bet we're, you we're, did. We're like doing all the Christmas rushes. Like yeah, you were jamming. <laughs> my patient needs a teeth done in time for Christmas, but this other lab they're not going to be ready until like. Next month, I was like, Oh, dude, I'll we'll knock it out in three days. You know what I mean? Did you do an upcharge for those
1: types of conversations or were you just three days all day?
2: It was 150 bucks for a three day crown. And then we offered like next same day for 250. Wow. And then next day for 200. And dude, we're, you know, we just, we would design out we scan it in, design it. And I just, I was working all the time. It's, I go in at seven o'clock. I'd work till like you know two in the morning and go to, go to bed, and I wake back up. And at this point, we had just had our daughter in August, and we started the lab in December. So like, my wife was busy with with the baby, and I was just like, I got to make this work because I got to make sure I feed this kid, you know. <laughs> so
0: I was just grinding all the time. Were you taking only digital scans, or were you taking normal impressions too? Well,
2: well, that was the plan. Like, hey, we're just going to go to the CEREC users. Teleseric users just send scans. But then uh, Jay Black was our trainer. So Jay came out like first yeah. part of December and he's like, Hey, I'm going to train you on how to use your your scanner here, your lab scanner, show you how it works. I was like, oh, I'm not really interested in that, man. We're just going to go get it scans. He's like, You know, you kind of leave a lot of money on the table and not take mm. people's models. He's like, Well, I don't know. I don't know anything about models, you know? Yeah, you were starting the other direction. Can, can you train me how to do models? He's like, What? <laughs> and then i we did a model he's like listen okay okay just make the crowns but don't send the models because the model work was so bad you know what yeah. i mean <laughs> because i wasn't pouring up and die trimming like i wasn't doing that. i would just pour up a solid and i would scan the solid because you could see the margins and stuff like that yeah that's all you needed and he's like yeah but like you're not going to trim this or ditch it and, and i'm like well no i just made these little solids like hand articulate it and take it for the bite and stuff. He's like, okay, don't send it to anyone.
0: <laughs> don't let too. them see this. Let
2: them see this. He's like, take this model and put it like in the top shelf of the closet. And like in five years, come back and look at that model. <laughs> <He's> <laughs> like, You're going to go, Holy shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we had Jay out to train us, but Hey, we just need to train us on how to like make abutment models, like a models for implant analog models. And yeah. like, like, so he showed up wanting to show us how to do the software. Like, oh no, no, no. We got that down. Just show us how to make a, a custom abutment in the software and then show us how to like do models. <laughs> <It's tough. laughs> and he's like, okay. And, and then another thing we did, you know, having worked in the clinic, you know, I knew that a big pain point was the delivery. So I was like, okay, three things affect value, the price, the quality of the product and the time to deliver. I, I'm like, yep. I'm like well, well, we got the Emacs thing down. So that's quality. I was like, and then the price, you know, 150 bucks, that's all right. That's not like a really, that's not like awesome, but it's just all right. Kurt's yeah. charging 225.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
2: no matter what you want. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we'll get it done in three days. And and it was a hit, man. I think it got real popular. We got real busy, real fast. And then uh, we started hiring actual ceramists, like people that knew what they're doing to come in and actually do the work. So I did it by myself for maybe four months, five months, and then we hired a ceramist. And then uh, we just kept kind of kept growing. And, and we, we went to the pre-dental program or with the pre-dental club at the University of Oklahoma and said, hey, listen, we want to hire pre-dental students to come and help us with some of our workload. you know. And so they'd come in and we get these super smart, hardworking, want to be there college students to come in and help us to get our work done. And having worked in the clinic, I knew that it was real important to stay organized. I, I just remember those times you called the, the lab that would send stuff to the outsource lab. Hey, where's the what's the status on the case? Where's it at? We just had a couple questions about it. Oh, I don't know where it's at. You know? Yeah. We called Kurt. Idea. Hey, Kurt, there's this case we're supposed to deliver deliver in two days. We don't have it. Um, it's been there for like four weeks. <laughs> uh uh Oh, hold on, let me look around and see if I can find something. You know, oh, yeah. it was in a it was in a, underneath a pan and another pan. And I'm like, I don't really care, Kurt. I just need it. Oh, uh, Well, we're going to to reschedule that one. It's like, oh, come on. So I I knew that organization was important. and We use the EagleSoft system, EagleSoft software Mm -hmm. for the clinics. And what was really helpful at the clinic was I stayed up for like a week, like every night working on getting all the insurances into the system, getting all the right fee schedules and everything set up. Right. And once you put the time into setting it up, everything went super smooth at the clinic. And so we started shopping for lab management software companies to partner with to, and we came across a uh, Lapstar and Lapstar mm-hmm. they had just started that year the year before so they they didn't really have a large customer base they were kind of a startup too and we liked the idea like hey we're starting up they're starting up yeah you can grow together yeah he's like yeah man just give us feedback let's work together on this and and so it's it's been a really good like honestly like Lapstar is like i was worried about hey i got to like make this stuff i got to make the models <laughs> I got to scan it in. riddin has got to go sell. We got to get the stuff transported back to our lab. Like, what do we do? Now we got to invoice stuff. How do we do payments? Yeah. And so that took all that stress of like running the business as far as like the transactional stuff, managing the workflow, the manufacturing schedules, all that, the products that we were going to offer, client management. It took care of all that for us. I mean, it, it was essentially... You know, turnkey. So we were really, really, really fortunate to be able to to use LabStar to help manage the practice early on. I think I would definitely contribute a lot of the success to this opportunity that we had to kind of ride the wave of new technology. So we got to invest out the door with new into new technologies, but then also take advantage of real efficient systems, cloud based management software and you know good partners you know serona you know th- those david Bowen and tom using they were v- they were very supportive guys you know they were sure. really good at making sure that we didn't return our system you know what i mean like we sure were <laughs> trained but you know we just kind of hit it at the right time and so we've really grown the lab the lab's grown i think you know it started out Renan and i after about a year kurt called me up said trey i, I need to change you know we what are you doing? We need to change. Let me come over. You know, let's kind of join forces and grow this lab. And when Kurt showed up with Rob, who uh, Rob is now a dentist in Florida, Rob Sparks, I man, it just, we went from, we like, tri- we like tripled, you know, his growth tripled, our growth, like tripled the day we partnered up because they just brought so much experience with them. And then we brought so much of like the new kind of the new technology, new way of being organized, new way of producing things so that they could focus on just the artistic aspect of it and the functionality. And I have focused on the manufacturing and being able to manufacture large amounts of stuff very leanly.
1: So do you still work with the original doctor that you were working with before you opened your Yeah.
2: Lab? Yeah. So yeah, Gabe uh, has since, you know, their clinic has grown. And their practice has grown it. They're, they're now part of a group that has something like 40, 45 offices or something, 48 off. I don't want to undersell it. But they, they have a lot of offices. Yeah. yeah. And so And so, yeah. So things are going great, for I think, for everyone. You know, and I think that me being able to go off on my own and do the lab allowed me to grow and allowed me to learn a lot of stuff where, you know, I was sitting there making these crowns for like three docs oh, Trey, this is awesome. This is great. You got some great job security here. This is going to be, this is cool. Thanks for knocking that out. You know, so then I'm thinking, you know, I'm thinking, oh man, I'm awesome. I'm going to start a lab. I'm such a great technician. I can make crowns. And then all of a sudden, you know, I start working with people that we go solicit and they're like, "Uh, Trey, what is, what is this? (laughs) Uh, Where's the stain? Why is it just all glazed? I was like, oh, you want the, you want the fake? Dirt looking stuff on the teeth. Yeah. 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 That's kind of, why is it kind of gray? Have you thought about like maybe using a less transparent Emacs material? Uh, what, you know, (laughs) you know, I think we have probably about a customer base, about 250 customers. We have a staff of about, I think, 46 employees. Yeah, so when you started your lab, what year was that? We started taking orders December 15th, 2012.
0: 2012, and I went and visited your lab, I don't know, a year or two ago. You've grown a lot. Yeah, it's kind of
2: Yeah, I mean, and
0: it's you don't just have a couple MCXLs in there, is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, we don't. We have a lot of mills now. I think it's on like 12 mills now, I think. And then 3D printers, we have like eight, I think eight 3D printer, nine 3D printers, you know. It's, it's And you're
0: not talking tiny little uh, things. No, I mean, you yeah. got some hefty equipment
2: yeah we have the so we, it's just you know kind of the, on the 3d printing stuff you know stratasys david Bolin. you know we, we're big really really big fans of david he's a great guy we have two J5, which is their their new polyjet it prints on like a turntable prints multiple mm-hmm. i think it prints like seven materials at once you know we love that machine those are those are great machines we just order a third one that hopefully we get no, December, January sometime. And then we have their origin ones, which are their DLP printers. And then so we have two of those. And then we have... Uh... Two carbons, and we just ordered the M3 Max. I think Mike Cirrus is going to get that to us sometime, sometime either this month or next month again. Is that the one that's the size of a like a small car? Yeah, it's like uh, no, it's like the size of a fridge or something. Like ref- they're all they're all like the size of a refrigerator. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, but they're they're all really great machines. You know what I mean for removables for uh, like implant guides, surgical guides. When 3D printing, when we first kind of got into 3D printing, maybe five years ago, six years ago, like I wasn't really the big fan of it. We were doing a lot of model free. Crown, so we'd get digital impressions, we'd make a crown, we'd engrave the uh, product number on the intaglio surface when we w- would mill it out. Then they've yep. done and, that, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, at some point, it's like, okay, there's like 100 crowns here, just organize. Like, I think we need some models, you know. So, we started, <laughs> we started doing models, and it's been really great. When we first got into 3D printing, we're doing, yeah, you know, we tried out the form labs, the SLA printing, and stuff, we, and we tried out some different DLP printers. But th- throughput was a big deal and like the time the time to make stuff and and, the, and I didn't really care it got to the point at first I was really worried about the cost of resin. you know oh what, how much does the resin cost? How much does the printer cost? But what I found was that if you buy a nicer printer, you have more uptime. Parts don't break, things don't break and they just they just work. Mm. It's not worth saving five cents a model if you're down fifty percent of the time or you're down every other day. That's or, right. So we just, you know, Stratasys has been a great partner. Carbon's been a great partner. They both do things very well. The 3D printing is, has turned in from like a liability to to a profit center here at the lab. And and really something that we're very dependent on now, just based on the number of digital impressions we get on a daily basis. And, and now the products that we can make that can be used in the mouth, like the dentures and like the night guards and stuff and the, and the, and the surgical guides. So it's more there's some value there in products that you can print and sell versus some kind of supplemental. Yeah. It's billable products. Sure. Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
0: Yeah. you can't afford those things just print models all day.
2: Yeah, exactly. I don't know. So they've been, they've been great machines and I've been there where you have a little desktop printer and, and you're trying to like make a bunch of stuff and it's just not working. And I just, I was, uh, it got to the point where like, okay, that, that was a very short lived chapter of my life to say the least.
0: Are you still doing everything on the in lab software?
2: That's a great question. I think we were holdouts. Like we, we used in lab for a long time, but then once COVID came is like, okay, we got some time, you know, we didn't really have that much time, but we thought we were going to have time. So it's like, let's buy ExoCAD. We're doing a lot of all in four. So let's buy ExoCAD and start using ExoCAD for all in four workflows. That was like a heaven sent because there's so, you know, there's, there's so many things you can use with that as far as, you know, Treating all in four, and then uh, or, or whatever implant bridges, and mm-hmm, then uh, sure. three shape. You know, three shape we invested in for digital dentures and for custom abutments. So we just we started getting tons of implant orders. We're like, okay, we got to we got to have a better way to manage all these implant systems that we're seeing, and giving them the OEM solutions that they want. So that's what three shape offered it was a great implant. Implant yep. libraries, great digital denture workflows for the, you know, design. That's kind of the division of the labor now is we use a three shape for crown and bridge implants and for dentures. We use Exocad for surgical guides and all in four and then some like wax ups, and then we use in lab for some kind of bridge and, and uh, wax ups. Now we have lots of designers are all proficient in the different software. So if a doctor sends something on a CERAC or on a, on a prime scan, you know, it's, it's almost easier just to keep it in the In-Lab software, yeah, it in lab software. Yeah, it sure is. Yeah. As long as the, the workflows are easy, we'll, we'll do that. You know, we kind of just pick the, the easiest workflow for each kind of scan or wherever we're seeing the success. So if a doctor, you know, sends a, a case and we have better success or better results getting a medit scan and then running that design through, you know, three shape, then we'll do that. If we get something in iTero, we have a better result running it through ExoCAD, we'll do that. So it just kind of depends on the doctor, but we have all, all the tools available to all the technicians. And so now it, the expectation isn't that you just know how to use just InLab. Yeah. You know, InLab was good to kind of get the ball rolling. We got a lot of work out of InLab. And now it's like, let's kind of use, let's kind of take advantage of some of these other softwares that have some good proficiencies in other, in other areas.
0: I can't imagine that that's what you
2: use only in lab before the COVID. I mean, mean, that's insane. It's that was a hard scale. (laughs) Yeah. If if you can imagine using in lab for everything, I mean, that's, you know, looking at back at it, it's like, wow, that was pretty impressive. Yeah. I didn't even know you could do all on fours with them. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah. Some of the things about the in lab, you know, the real particular, you know, with their systems, they set up a, a workflow And you can't really deviate out of that workflow. So, you know, our doctors, we had to introduce like Medintica components. We had to introduce NT trading components to our doctors um, for the workflows. But at some point, it just got to the point where there's just too many doctors to go out and manage all this expectation that they got to use these systems. You know, NT Trading wasn't outselling their system to my docs. Medentica, they weren't selling their system out to my docs. So it's like, listen, if they're going to send something on Straumann components, we got to be able to just use Straumann components. If they're going to yep. send on Zimmer components or Nobel components, so that's where we really saw the benefit in Exocad. And then we started doing the photogrammetry scanning with iMetric too, and, and that was another Jeez. thing. Uh, that we implemented in <laughs> it. Yeah, it, we got into the, the ExoCAD stuff and the All-in-Four stuff. That was probably about 2019 when we started, made, that, made that. Yeah. I remember like a bunch of people wanting to get into iMetric scanning or photogrammetry scanning over COVID, and it was like, you couldn't you couldn't get it, you know what I mean, because the supply mm-hmm. chain stuff.
0: Sure. Wow.
2: I mentioned when we
0: started the podcast that I saw you speak. I think, I don't know where it was, a, a Den supply event, I believe.
2: Yeah, I was real fortunate to... I've had the experience I had at the clinic using the CEREC system for three years or whatever it was. Yeah. And then to invest in the in-lab system. And I felt like I had a lot of value to add to teach people about, to teach lab technicians what's going on on the clinical side and what people were thinking. So I just felt like, Hey, I'm going to kind of share my experience of why I did what I did and kind of help motivate some of these other lab owners to go digital. You know what I mean? You know, I think sometimes, you know, ceramics are like, I got this ceramic oven. It's ran for 20 years. You know, it's the same (laughs) nay oven I've been running forever, you know, and it's great. A lot of equipment can last forever, you know, but with, technology, that stuff's always changing, you know what I mean? There should be something better every year. There's there's better hardware, there's better computer hardware, there's better programs. You've given programmers another year to code and stuff. And so things, you know, is fast moving, it's always changing. And so I think it's a good investment to invest in something that maybe it'll be obsolete in four years, you know? But the thing is, is that it's going to make you much more efficient. It's going to make you much more productive in the four years that you have it. And then when something else comes out, now you're going to be even more productive, yeah. And so I think that like, that's something that maybe technicians were scared about back then or something, or like, oh, you know, I've, se- I've seen this before they've come out with this product and it's, it works for a year and then something else. Oh, I've heard it so much. Yeah. How would I
0: buy one. A better one will be out next year. Yeah. <laughs>
2: but if you never, <laughs> yeah, but if you never get on the boat, dude, you know, it's just, <laughs> it's never going to go. That was kind of my message when I, you know, I, I kind of, I expressed to Dent Supply, I can go out and teach people how to make. Things on the software, right? And so I did go out and do a lot of in office trainings, like one on one trainings with different mm-hmm. technicians and doctor owners and, and people. And I, I've been to hundreds of labs across the nation training individuals on the in lab system on how to, how to use it. And when I first started, you know, you're just training them how to make a crown, a bridge a veneer and like a, like a tie base abutment or, or screw. Sure. Yep. Then as time went on, you started adding in like, okay, we're going to show you how to make a custom tray and a splint and a denture and a, a surgical guide and, and all in four, you know? So you started adding all these things that we would go out and train people. So, you know, the trainings went from like, you know, being pretty comprehensive training in about six to four hours. to now you're like trying to cover all this new stuff that the in system came out with. In in that same eight hours, this is really hard to do. Yeah, And so I felt real confident in just digital dentistry in general. And I was real comfortable with the InLab system and with the Sirona, Supply Sirona now, but the Prime Scan and the Omnicam that, you know, I felt like I could go out and show people how to use those to be a little bit more efficient. And I kind of put my money where my mouth was because I bought eight Omnicams. Now, after we got the lab going, I was like, I got some extra money. So we went out and bought scanners and we placed eight Omnicams in different doctor's offices. And that really made my life a lot easier because now I don't have to make those crappy models that Jay Black hates. Yeah, <laughs> uh, exactly. Digital impressions. And so we, we got a good ROI on our, our Omnicams. They were real expensive. You know, they were, I think, the first couple Omnicams I bought, I paid probably $58,000 for. Yeah yeah. Each. And now you go buy I think a prime scan for, you know, 30, maybe 28, you know, I don't know. And so it's like a, it's a better machine. It's cheaper now, but the access to the machines back then and the technology back then was so novel that it just look what we achieved by investing in the technology early. You know what I mean? We were able to surpass a lot of the local labs Because we were all in on digital technology and educating our doctors and and giving them the resource that they wanted. And again, I think a lot of docs like the the idea of digital impression machines, Mm -hmm. but they were just moving to full systems because no one on the lab level was supporting what they wanted.
0: There's a lot of truth to that still, I think. I think a lot of offices get sold on that whole package especially from Dent Supply and Patterson.
2: Yeah, you know, I don't fault the, the reps for wanting to sell it. I mean, they're incentivized. Oh, no, that's, yeah,
0: no, I and get the, it. The docs
2: yeah. can buy whatever they want. What I think, that conversation should be generated from the lab to the clinician. You know what I mean? I should be out talking to my docs about digital impressions if they're sending me PVS impressions and showing them yeah. the benefits of it. We're yeah. yeah. having a machine available so that when it comes time where they're warmed up to it, say, you know what, I want to buy a digital impression machine, they know. That I support it. I've taken Mm -hmm. scanners to offices. I let them use this. Hey, here's a scanner, use it for three months. You know, get comfortable with the workflow. Don't feel like you have a payment, you know, do on a machine and make sure you like it. If you like it, then go invest in in the solution. And we do that. And time and time again, you know, I I get scanners coming back to me because my customers buy a scanner and it's like, okay, let's go give it to someone else and let them get used to it. And so I think by doing that, you know, we kind of control the decision. We we don't control it, but we we definitely have an influence on it, you know, uh, on the decision that our clients make. What scanner do you loan them? I had Prime scans, or I had OmniCams, and now yep. now I have a Prime scan that I loan.
0: Yeah, that's a nice, nice scanner.
2: I really like it. Yeah, we like um, the Iteros. Yep. Too, uh, I really like the Prime scan. Really like the Iteros, and I would probably loan out an Itero if they, um, if you know, if they would give me one. <laughs> <laughs> that's a put it out well, there. Yeah. Never uh, hurts to ask. Put it out there on the <laughs> podcast. I'll work on Chad, my local rep on that. <laughs> so we can do, you know, lecturing for dent supply. The original message was like, you know, this is the business, right? I got some flack sometimes from technicians. Who are like, well, I just wanted to come to learn how to layer a crown better or something. You know, what I mean, I, I yeah. didn't really have any anything like that, like technical skills or techniques to to offer. You know, a lot of my trainings were, or lectures were more on workflow and philosophy on you know this digital dentistry in general and where it's moving. Yeah, That experience alone, being able to lecture, being able to go to different conferences, being able to go teach other labs, other technicians, I got so much exposure to different labs. And so I've met tons of lab owners. I've been able to pick up little pearls here and there, how to do, how they do things, how they do things. I've seen all kinds of great equipment and I'm able to take the best of the best that I see in all these labs and through all these experiences and apply it to our lab. And with that, you know, I'm able to see the kind of the bad and make sure we kind of avoid the bad stuff too. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: I've said plenty of times that once I got out of the lab I used to be at and I got to visit other labs, I have learned so much Yeah, that you don't see because you never leave your own lab. <laughs> yeah.
2: I'm definitely would not be where I'm at today if it wasn't for our suppliers, our, our, our partners, equipment partners, and with all the other labs and, and people I got to train along the way. And I, I really you know, tried my best to, to show people what I know and kind of get them on a good path. And, and it's been cool to develop so many relationships over the years in the industry to have so many mm-hmm. people I consider friends. Like I could, I could go to their place right now and we go, go grab lunch or we could go, you know, hang out the know. And, and just have a good time. You know what I mean? I don't know how many other industries that are so what I would say like niche, like our industry, you know, how, where you see relationships like that. You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: That's so true.
2: You know, you don't have to have a target on everyone. Like, oh, they're the competition. I'm going to take them out. You know, what? Exactly. No, it's, it's a great, it's a great community. And I think as long as, you know, I feel like as long as I'm giving my technicians the opportunity to grow and be the type of technician that they want, allow them to have the flexibility that they need. This is the way I feed my family. This is the way they feed their families. let try to get them the, the equipment that they want, the technology that they want. And I, I feel like that's a thing that's allowed us to grow is that, you know, there's some great things here. You know, and our technicians, we're able to attract people that want to be exposed to this stuff. And, and so we have a great, a great team. And so I'm truly blessed, not only from like, you know, the strategic efforts of Trey, but also just from the, the the hard work and the efforts and the knowledge and the time put in the lab by the by the technicians here as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I remember when I visited you had a great group. I mean people seemed really engaged.
2: Yeah, it's, you know, with that, you know, we go to some labs and you hear the horror stories, you know, or talk to other lab owners, you hear these horror stories about employees and technicians and, you know, you may as well just...
0: They're all true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah <that's, laughs> None of that, you know, we have,
2: a, we have a really, really good team and I feel really blessed to, to be able to work a mile from my house and have such, such great team members.
1: Awesome.
0: Do you ever design still or are you completely managing... Running the business,
2: I'm pretty much completely running the business. I'm not doing the design as much because we have a number of really, really, really talented designers on the task. Yeah. If I'm involved in a case, it's it's more on the record taking. You know, I've been able to leverage, I think, my experience, my clinical experience yeah, as a an oh, assistant sure. and as an office manager and as the crown, the, the local CEREC queen, if you will, to to go <laughs> out to really go to the clinics and help them with scanning technique. You know, help yeah. help these new assistants understand how to scan more efficiently and how to be more proficient with the record taking and, and teach our customers, Hey, on these digital workflows, what do we need? Let's think about, you know, how do we think about a digital denture? You know, why is a digital denture workflow different than what a crown and bridge workflow and what's different about a uh, implant impression, a digital implant impression over a crown and bridge impression. And so just being able to go out and work with the clinics helps us be more efficient at the lab. I would much rather travel to an extreme like St. Louis to go do an all-in-four record than to have my doctor send it to me and have it be you know, done wrong and have to go back and forth sure. three or four times. Yeah. It's just it, it, with travel the way it is, it's a lot easier to just hop in the car and drive if it's within three or four hours to drive to help do records for a big case, or just hop on a plane and go. Yeah, the, a lot of them have the digital impression machines now, so we don't have to take the actual scanners. If we're if we're doing all-in-four, we'll just take the the iMetric scan with us. But then it allows us to get that face time, get in the clinic. Me being able to not have to design everything now has really freed me up to really help take care of the other of the customer more and help make them feel like they're part of our team. That's awesome.
0: And you can full circle it back. You can suck spit right
2: there. Yeah, exactly. I mean, while you're there, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, I do have that opportunity. You know, it's like, hey, I know how to use the scanner. I know I can scan really well. But you're the assistant. Let's get you you scanning very well. Let me uh move that tongue out of the way It sucks on spit here. While yeah, I there you it. Go. yeah. So it has come full circle for sure. Trey, thank you so much. Yeah, man, this is great. Yeah. I had
0: no idea you started the whole thing saying I don't have an interesting story of how I started, and then it was extremely interesting <laughs> and unique. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: hey, yeah. Thank you. Yeah.
2: I'm not like third generation, you know, <laughs> lab yeah. owner. Went to technical lab school in, you know, Switzerland or something, you know I mean? Yeah,
1: so, yeah. <laughs> it's a damn great story, also. Yeah,
2: yeah, the education and stuff ahead of time, it really helped me prepare, I think, for, for the success of the lab. Thank you so
0: much. Are yeah. going to see you in Chicago this year?
2: Yeah, we're going to come up. I think we're going to come up to Chicago. We're going to bring a couple technicians out. I th- we might go to the Visions meeting. I know that oh, that's – I haven't been to a Visions meeting yet. I I think I like the weather in Vegas or wherever. Oh, there you go. And lots
1: of other stuff in Vegas, too.
2: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's hella better. (laughs) Yeah, so we'll probably be there as well, man. Awesome, Trey. Well, we
0: appreciate it. We'll see you there.
2: Barb Ellis, thanks for your time. We'll talk to you guys later.
0: Awesome, thanks. All right, bye. Bye. Outside of the podcast, I actually have a real job. I know, it's hard to believe. I get to work directly with dental offices to provide amazing smiles to patients. But don't we all? But I do it with data instead of a handpiece or a mill. I use data that most labs already have, but don't know how to access it or use it. Enter iCortica. I-C-O-R-T-I-C-A. If your lab is already using Magic Touch, great, you're halfway there. If you aren't, then go get Magic Touch just so you can use iCortica. It will be worth it. Let's be honest. Access to -to easy-to-understand information is the key to any sales or customer service position. Did I mention that they have bar graphs? This is exactly what iCortica does for me on a daily basis. Every morning, I wake up to an email showing me the risks and the opportunities across all of the customers. I can then dive in to see specific customer information and look at so much like sales by product, trends by category or restoration. I can see all the notes and I can even see the remake percentage. It allows me to know who I should talk to about what without having to spend hours digging into production software or making a ton of Excel spreadsheets. It's all right there. Every metric I need to be successful. So do yourself and your lab a favor and head over to icortica.com forward slash voices or send Rob Nozell an email at rob at and start understanding your dental offices in a way you never had before. Check out this episode's show notes for all of those links, and we thank you for your support of the podcast, iCortica, and I personally thank you for making my job easier.
1: A big thanks to Trey for coming on our podcast and talking about your experiences starting your journey with a CIRIC and an MCXL. He's come a long way, and his success is well-earned. The best part is that he took some time to teach other labs and technicians about his experiences doing same-day crowns in offices, and how labs can use that experience to work with those offices. Now we see Trey and Express Dental Lab on social media all the time, continuing to teach offices about the advances in digital, and continuing to grow along with them. Thank you, Trey.
0: Awesome. What a great interview for our Milestone 250. Yes. All right, everybody. We appreciate it, and we'll talk to you next week. See ya. Yeah, Bye.
1: Now that was a sticky situation or a hissy situation. Sticky
0: situation.
1: Yeah, yeah.